Hi, it's Guia Bandini at Writing Museum and you are listening to Real Writing Podcast. Tom Cannon, and welcome to episode 13 of the Real Reading Podcast. We're recording this on Tuesday the 10th of April, and our guest this week is Guya Bandini, who is one of the learning officers at Reading Museum. If you want to get involved in our show, you can follow us and write to us on Twitter at Real Reading Pod. You can look us up on Facebook by searching Real Reading Podcast. Uh, we are on Instagram. We are. We are, we are. Uh, and if you're able, please leave us a lovely, lovely message on Apple Podcasts because that means more people will find us and listen to us, which would be great. Now, first things first, Jenny. Uh, before I left for things we'll talk about later, um, I promised that this podcast would be everything back to normal. However, there is a big, furry, huge sized hole in our lives right now, isn't there? <laughs> there is. We have let Hugh take a week of holiday, which is a long time coming, I can assure you. Is it? You can't get him out of this place, can you? No, he loves. He just loves to be here. <laughs> we can safely say whatever we want to him because we know we about him because we yes. know that he won't listen to it back. Yes. So um, <laughs> yeah, we can say whatever we like, and suddenly absolutely nothing whatsoever comes to mind. <laughs> no. Oh well. Oh well. That's enough about. <laughs> I've you. just um, I've just realised as you said that it's episode thirteen of the Real Wedding Podcast that this is going out on Friday the thirteenth. And it's episode thirteen, so this, that's got to be some kind of omen. Hopefully, everything goes well. I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. If not, I can just edit it. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. I'm not going to edit. Can it. you edit it? No, I, I didn't realise you were capable. <laughs> <laughs> it would explain why so much just utter nonsense goes into the podcast every other week. I, I just think that people like the nonsense. I think that's why you listen to a podcast, really, for the sort so? of the facts and the nonsense. And we have occasional facts and some nonsense. <laughs> Mainly nonsense. Mainly nonsense. Um, and we're talking of nonsense. We've got some nonsense coming up. Um, but first, uh, as I say, no Hugh. No. He's gone. Yes. He'll be back next week. He'll be back next week. He'll be fine. Well, so we will definitely, 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 definitely be back to normal in a week's time. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Yes. We'll all be here. Hope so. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Anyway, how was your holiday? Uh, it was great. It was great. I went to the Dominican Republic and had a wonderful time. It was my honeymoon. Very nice. So it was very pleasant and sat in the sun. Well, I didn't sit in the sun. You can tell from my pale complexion that I didn't really sit in the sun. He's very freckly. Well, I'm always very freckly. You just don't notice. You're just more. I think I think you've got more freckles than usual. <laughs> I mean, I haven't taken the time to count them all. There are a lot, but it's quite a few. <laughs> yeah, no, it was great. Um, saw some whales. Uh, spent most of our time sitting by the pool. Um, there was a little bit of. Uh, sort of rowdy Americans going on, but I think it's quite a, a fairly decent holiday. Was it spring break? Uh, <laughs> I think it's just after spring break, um, or, or sort of people were just coming down for a few days, which seemed very strange because it takes us ten hours to get there on on the plane, and you had people from the northern states of America just coming over for four days. Ooh, so it's like a short bike ride, yeah. isn't it? Well, yeah, I don't know. I think about bike rides. Um, yeah, so no, really good. Good to be back though. Good to be back in the swing of things. Well, it um, is lovely in England at the minute. The you missed the one day of sun that we had last week. Was that on Friday? Uh, I think was it on Friday. Oh, I it think it might have been Thursday. No, it was pretty decent on Friday as well when oh, I was here. Oh, I did. Yeah, we um, as we missed April Fool's Day as well, I just wanted to, um, something really caught my eye while I was away. Um, the Whitley Pump website, which is a website we've mentioned 
four, um, came up with, a, with an absolutely fine April Fool, which I think uh, I, I wish was real. In fact, they, um, <laughs> they set up a Friends of the IDR uh, group, which was allegedly going to meet on a regular basis. This was an April Fool. But I saw it and I thought, great, this t- this chimes with exactly what we've been talking about, painting the IDR, making it look Absolutely. much nicer. Um, they I just say to... that the campaign group want to be closed one day a year to uh, have yeah. an IDR appreciation yeah. day. <laughs> yeah, so I, I've, just, I've just pinched a bit out of the, the article that they wrote. Um, and it was, uh, the Friends' first campaign is for the IDR to be closed once a year on IDR day. They'll see IDR day, This is this sounds... Perfect. This is exactly what I was talking about several episodes I ago. I think for many Reading drivers every day is <laughs> ideal. <laughs> uh, so the residents can truly appreciate what a fantastic space it is to observe and appreciate some of the iconic sites of Reading. I mean the Travel Lodge. Which iconic the... sites would they be? <laughs> <laughs> you can mainly just see the grey walls of the IDR. Which is you? why they need painting. <laughs> um, Reg, who was the, I believe, the fictional character behind this campaign, said pedestrians never get a chance to understand the beauty of the IDR as a viewing place. Drivers have to watch the road and wait for the lights to change. We think closing the IDR on one day a year would be the perfect opportunity for everyone to take advantage of the road and understand what it has to offer as a destination in itself. Correct, Reg. You may be fictional, but you're correct. I, 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 listeners, please take what Tom is saying with the sarcasm it is intended because I couldn't think of anything worse than sitting on the IDR to view what the IDR has to offer. What does it have to offer? There's nothing there. As we've already said, it's grey. I'm scared that I'll catch something from touching the walls. <laughs> we've already gone over that. Uh, I know it's fictional, but it sounds horrendous and it sounds more like a, a, a Halloween horror story than an April Fool's story to me. Well, that's burst my bubble. Um, <laughs> somebody else, I'm, I'm not sure who this was, but I, obviously I was away, so I wasn't aware of this, but um, on our last podcast, we talked about the monorail. Monorail. Uh, monorail. And there was lots of Simpsons alluding to the Simpsons in the background, which was I think we fun. probably thought that we were funnier than we were. Oh, yeah, I don't know. The figures suggest that we might have been quite funny, though. <laughs> Podcast figures, people like it. I'm not sure that the, the uh, that it's a, it's a relatable figure, is there? The number of listeners to how funny we were on that particular podcast. There's no way of telling. Maybe. I choose to be positive. Um, so someone suggested perhaps we'd have fallen for our own April Fool's joke. Um, now I can 100% confirm that the monorail was a real idea that was a real suggestion to go down the middle of the M4. Uh, it wasn't an April Fool. It absolutely 100% wasn't. It was a real proper yes. bona fide idea. And Hugh and I did look back, but just just, just in case, because you yeah. know, you can never... It does, it does happen. Yeah, we sometimes, you know, people ask us questions and then we start to doubt ourselves. But we looked back and the story went on to the Reading... It was the Reading Evening Post at the time. It was when we still um, published a daily paper. And it went out on the 28th of March. So definitely yeah. not an April Fool's yeah. uh, joke. If it was, it was a very, it was a bit early. It was <laughs> premature. But it didn't, no, it, no, it was real. It was real plans. Was real. Uh, Hugh also checked with uh, the Oracle, Linda Fort, and um, <laughs> she confirmed that she she sat in several meetings, um, listening to listening to the plans being discussed. So, so yes, it's 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 real. Well, it actually true. happened. Hashtag IRL, <laughs> as the kids say. Um. Cool, great. Uh, okay, on to what we liked this week. Jenny, uh, things you've enjoyed this week. Yes, let's, let's I've on. got a, a bit of news about your favourite place in the entire world. Hang on, I've been away. What's happened? It's, it's not closing, is it? It's not the IDR. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> Calm down. Uh, the Nags Head. 
yeah. has um, been named Reading Pub of the Year by the Reading and Mid Berkshire Camera Competition. Um, well deserved. It's actually been. It's actually won two awards um, from Reading Camera. It's won Pub of the Year award, and it's also won the Cider Pub of the Year award. I think this is the second year on the spin that the Nags Head has won this award. Previously, it's gone to the Fox and Hands in Caversham for a few mm. years. Um, the Fox and Hands in Caversham was on the shortlist and has come second in the competition. Um, but it means that the Nags Head will now be put forward to Regional Pub of the Year, um, which it won. Uh, actually, no, sorry, it'll go Berkshire Pub of the Year first, mm-hmm. then Regional Pub of the Year. Um, it won both of those rounds in 2017. Um, and if it wins that again, it will then go on to the Ultimate Pub of the Year uh, title, which uh, will pit it against all the other camera regions' Pub of the Year uh, candidates. So it's fantastic news for the pub. I mean, yeah. you can tell us more well, about the Nags, pub, Nags Head than I yeah. can. It's, an, it's just an astonishing place, and it's it's a wonderful place. I think we talk about there's there's a few things on this podcast we talk about a lot, and it's because we love them. Um, and I love the Nags Head. It's a marvelous pub, uh, and they do great stuff. It's a different pub to a lot of what you get. Um, I mean, there are obviously lots of lots of ale pubs, lots of lots of craft beer pubs in Reading, but it definitely is one of the best. It's one of the friendliest. And the, you know the others are all good. Don't get me wrong, but it's also a bit different to anything you might get down Friar Street or sure. you know the more town the town should have more diverse pubs like this kind of thing um, than just than just the standard sort of stuff. And I think it's certainly won won the award the local award on a regular basis. Uh, it's got to be a shoe in for the national award as well, surely. Can't it would it would better. seem about time that Reading got Pub of the Year, and it yeah. is fantastic. Mm. Um, it, uh, the other finalists we should probably mention them were um, the Bell in Waltham St Lawrence, okay. the Bell and Bottle in Shinfield, yep. Castle Tap also in Reading, the Retreat in Reading, and the Fox and Hounds in Caversham, which we've already mentioned. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've been to I think I've been to the three Reading ones, and they're you know they're all excellent yeah. pubs in their own right, absolutely brilliant pubs in their own right. Um, I've not been to the ones slightly further afield, but no. maybe I should. I love the Fox and Hounds in Caversham. Yeah, it's a my, it's, I wouldn't call it my local. It is a it is a bit of a walk, but it's probably the nicest pub that I, yeah. I can easily get to. Um, so, yeah, just really good news. And and on beer news, um, we've also got some news from Reading Camera. It's less than a month to go. Can you believe it? To really? Reading Beer and Cider Festival. Um, it's come around so quickly. I can't believe it. But it starts on Thursday, May the third. Um, it's in its. Uh, can we still call it its new home of Christchurch Meadows? It's been there a couple of years yeah. now. Um, but it's a, or was it just last year? That, I think it might have just been last year that it was its first year at Christchurch Meadows. No, I think it was the year before. Was it really? Yeah, I think oh, so. It's I been there a couple remember. of years. I think maybe I missed a year. Anyway, it's at Christchurch Meadows. Were you there and you don't remember terms. at all? I was definitely there last year. I think <laughs> I might have missed a year. <laughs> um, uh, they're going to be more than 550 ales, 160 ciders and perries. Um, Wild Weather Ales is going to be there. Um, you know, they're based just outside of Reading. We've spoken about them before. They've got two new breweries uh, coming on board this year. They've got um, the Church Hand Brewery in Oxfordshire and the Top Rope Brewing from Liverpool. Um, so, so they're going to be there for their okay. first year. Great. Um, it's running, as always, from Thursday to Sunday. Sunday is the family day. Um, 
and yeah it's just really I just can't believe it has come round so quickly I'm really looking forward to it hopefully it will have warmed up the sun will come back out and we can uh, have yes, some, some point, time sitting in the sunshine at some enjoying point a cold we might beer get a lovely weekend <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's what I just wanted to touch on. Cool. Uh, so congratulations to everyone at the Nags Head. Uh, we will see you at the beer festival, aren't you? We will, undoubtedly. Um, my, my one is a little bit of breaking news, certainly in the last uh, 24 hours. It is this absolutely marvellous looking sheep that has been highlighted by uh, Merle uh, on Twitter. And that's at the Merle, M-E-R-L, uh, the Museum of English Rural Life. Uh, and they simply just posted a picture at uh, just before three o'clock yesterday uh, of what I believe is an Exmoor horn-aged ram, uh, which I'm reading from my screen. Um, <laughs> and they just posted it. It's it's I, I can't tell. I did, I haven't researched how old the sheep is, but it's a picture of a big old sheep, and it's just been sold as look at this absolute unit. People are loving it, and aren't they? <laughs> it has just gone absolutely crazy for those guys. Um, I know we get a little bit of stick from getting our news off Twitter at times, but come on, this has had this has been this picture of a big sheep has been <laughs> retweeted eighteen thousand one hundred and ninety four times, and it's got sixty thousand eight hundred and eighty six likes. <laughs> now I've been on Twitter a long time, and I like to think I'm slightly clever. At <laughs> You've times. never had that many I have, retweets. I think have ten. You? Ten retweets is probably the most I've ever managed. This guy's got up in the morning, written, look at this absolute unit on a picture of a sheep and just gone worldwide. It's <laughs> astonishing. And I, um, they've been been—they've actually changed the name of their uh, Twitter account to the Museum of English Rural Units, which is... Uh, sorry, I'm trying not to laugh <laughs> all the way through this. That's so silly. But if you, um, if you want a bit of a giggle uh, currently, hopefully it will still be kicking along on the... On Friday, one of my favourite tweets was uh, from from the the mill uh, since the sheep uh, sheep uh, gate. We call it sheep gate. I'm not sure it's enough of a scandal. It's not, to be, no, it's not to a scandal at all, is it? It's not a no, scandal at all. Just... Um, but one of the tweets was uh, all the cool accounts are following us now. We're tweeting about absolute units, but where were they when we were tweeting about our national smock collection? We were there. I we... just want to say, hands up, I was there. Always been a big fan of Merle. Absolutely lovely, and it, but it's, it is on a, on a on a slightly more serious note. It is just absolutely fantastic. I, I think the social media team at the Museum of English Rural Life have always been brilliant. They they often manage to get kind of in the national news with little things that they've tweeted yeah. out. It's such a tiny museum. It's quite a niche yeah. topic of things, a collection of things that they've got there. But um, but it is really really interesting museum to go and have a look around. And I think even even if you if you don't have anything to do with agriculture. Um, or rural history you'd enjoy going it's really family friendly they've got loads for kids to do um, and they've just had a fantastic I say they've just had I think it was a couple of years ago they reopened after a fantastic refurb um, and it's just absolutely brilliant there so I'm glad that this <laughs> ridiculous tweet has, uh, has managed to get them a bit of attention because it is brilliant for them I did uh, I tweeted at them uh, I said uh, love your work look out for a mention on the Real Reading pod this week um They've, they've got me there they've just gone we've made it everybody <laughs> they have they have congratulations well, yeah. Mel well done Mel um, a little known fact about the Museum of English Rural Life is that it's actually the archive to the complete Ladybird book, book collection um, so yes. all the all the uh, old books that you would have read as a kid and our parents would have read as kids um, are all are all stocked in, in the Merle archives right. I was does, lucky enough to go and have a look around a couple of years ago and it's fascinating does that include the sort of sarcastic new ones they well? do have a couple oh, of copies brilliant. of the sarcastic new ones and they've got the hipster 
Yeah. The okay. wife. The I've got the wife. Yeah. I've got the wife myself. It's a very useful book. Very, very useful. You've learned a lot for, yes. for your life as a married man from that. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, we have now got a little bit of a conversation about the gender pay gap. Um, and there have been some figures released. I know this is a bit of a uh, a bit of a tangent. I think we're going on. We've gone from something quite light. <laughs> this is uh, going to be a poor man's version of what explains it all. I think. Um, well, not to do myself a disservice, but no, no, no. you know, I can't reach the heady heights of Hugh Fort. Well, no, you don't have to go and sit through council meetings, do you? So I've 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 paid my dues. <laughs> so we we've, we've got some figures uh, for for Reading itself yes. and the surrounding area. Um, they've come from the Trinity Mirror Data Unit, which I know Hugh has spoken about on the podcast a couple of times. So an excellent resource that we've got, um, and they have broken down. Uh, the figures of all the Berkshire-based businesses um, and the pay gaps that they have recorded. Um, I don't know if you know this. This is the reason why all the every company in the UK has been releasing their gender pay gaps this year is that last year the government made it mandatory to to, re- to publish a report on on the difference of sa- salaries for men and women. And of course, I guess most people will be familiar with what's been happening with the BBC. Absolutely, yeah. And so this is now the follow-up from that. On every company, yes. Is it a certain size? Do you know? Um, it's over two hundred and fifty employees. I believe that there is a fine levied against any company that hasn't done it. Um, I, I I don't know what that is, and I wouldn't want to start kind of throwing names around um, in case some figures have been released and, and I haven't seen them. Um, but uh, the really good news, and this is something that we talk about a lot again on the Friends podcast. Of the pod is um, that Reading Transport Limited, the operating company that owns Reading Buses, has recorded a 0% pay gap. Um, now, I spoke to Caroline Anscombe, the company's HR director, yesterday, and she just wanted to make clear that that 0% figure and all the figures that we'll talk about today are a median figure. So that is, they take, they, they, you know, they don't look at entry-level roles, they don't look at the most senior figures, they look at the people in the middle of the business. Um, and compare the salaries of so men is that and like women. your drivers and yes. your drivers, engineers, cleaners, people that work in finance, people that work in HR. So it's not Martin Gilbert, yeah. chief executive, um, and it's not people coming in kind of as apprentices. Okay, it is the people in the middle, and that is that is the the same for for all of the figures that we will talk about today. Um, the mean pay gap, Caroline did tell me, is two percent. Um, which is still much, much, much better than a lot of businesses in well, most businesses in the in the country. I think the average is about eighteen percent. Um, but um, it's so just absolutely it's, fantastic. There were some other zeros really. as well. Some there other were some other zeros. zeros. Yes, um, I have got a list of the Reading-based uh, businesses here. So we've got Style Acre, which is a care home based in right. in London Street. Um, Cavity Dental Staff Agency, which is based in St Peter's Road in Early, um, and Dimensions UK, which is a really large charity working um, with people with autism and other learning difficulties. They're based at Arlington Business Park in Thiel, and they have all recorded a median um, pay gap of 0%. The the 0%, basically, it's, it's that men are paid X percent more than women in that median role, so that's what we mean by 0%. Right. Um, I've also got some figures for the for the largest businesses in what, the area. What what are just just off the top of your head? What are some of the largest? 
Um, so the, the way that it's recorded here is um, those employing between 5,000 and 19,999 wow. employees. Um, and we've got uh, kind of, you know, think about Vodafone and Newbury, mm-hmm. CGI IT company, um, which are based at Green Park, AWE, um, and Dimensions, that, that charity yeah. based in Thiel that I mentioned earlier on. Um, they are one of the largest companies as well. And, and, and lastly, SSE. Um, the energy company yeah. and SSE is actually the other way than, than what you would expect um, their gender pay gap is a minus 3.8% which <laughs> actually means that women are paid 3.8% more wow. on average than men um, we've got Caterlink which is a catering company based at Thames Valley Park their pay gap is 21% um, Tarlis or Thales I, I don't thought it was Thales but Thales, I'm not sure. Thales I don't know why uh, they're based at Green Park as well they're 19.5% Vodafone based in Newbury is 18.3 um, AWE is 16.7 so they're all you know they're all relatively high in yeah. terms of of, of of men being paid kind of a, quite a, a fair bit more than women but I've actually got a list here of the the, the largest pay gaps in the area. Okay. Um, so we've got Maiden. <laughs> we've got Maiden Early Trust, um, which is the uh, academy that that runs Maiden Early School, and will soon be running Maiden Early School right. in Reading. Fifty nine point five percent. Is is their pay gap? Their median pay gap. Um, we've got Century Link based in Winnow Triangle, which is fifty point eight percent. And then, so you know, these these men yeah. are, are paying are being paid almost half again of women's salaries, which seems, you know, I don't, I don't know what the situation is. You know, these are just figures that they don't come yeah. with very much context, but it does it does seem a little bit cheeky, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> um, and Pega Systems in Reading uh, as well, which is forty four point six percent. Were there some, you mentioned to me when we were talking before that you had some the opposite way around as well? Yes, yeah, so like SSE, um, there are also a number of businesses that do have a, a pay gap in, in the other direction. Right. Um, so the Abbey School in Reading is minus 46.7%. So okay. that's, an, you know, another massive discrepancy. Yeah. That's interesting we don't know that why there's, that is. It's interesting there's two schools there. One is 50 odd percent in favour of men and one is just under 50 percent in favor of women that's very that seems yes yeah it's odd and you know um, made an early trust that those schools aren't gender specific but the abbey school in reading is is a girl's school um so i don't know whether that means that it's because the majority of their teachers are women perhaps i don't know i don't know what the staff breakdown there is um but we've got avis budget uk in bracknell as well which is the car rental company um which is minus 44.7 percent um, and then we've got ESP Global Services in Reading, which is minus 16.2%, and Nirvana Spa, um, which is kind of leisure industry. Yes. You'd perhaps expect more women to be working there, um, and that's six, minus 16.1%. Um, and, you know, the, the idea of this is to is to make sure that that all, both, you know, all genders are being paid fairly yeah. across the board. So, it, it I mean, it's important to, to note that it does work in both directions. I think that it's clear from the figures that we've got that um, men are often treated more yeah. favor- favorably than women. Um, but there are a number of things to consider. You know, it is traditionally women that take parental leave when when yeah. when a couple has a child. And I think that 
shared parental leave was came into law about three years ago, I think. And companies, I sp- like I said, I spoke to Caroline Anscombe at, at Reading Buses, and she said that they are working to, to make it clear to men that they are entitled to mm. take shared parental leave. And I think that that's something that's really important that, that companies do, that, that they make sure that everyone in their company, men and women, yeah. know that they are entitled to take parental leave should they wish. Um, so that if men want to do that and women stay at work, they can do. Yeah. And then perhaps we wouldn't have a discrepancy as large as this. So I think that the thing that's always been striking about this, this as an issue for me is that it's often two people, a man and a woman doing the same job and the man gets paid significantly more than the woman for doing exactly the same job. And that just seems grossly ridiculous and unfair that that's a thing that's allowed to happen. Um, I, you know, I guess the one thing you're, you're never quite sure about, and I'm, I just want to be very careful that I don't come across as any any sort of being judgmental about anything or, or anything like that, because I do think that if two people are doing the same job, they should be paid the same. I think the one t- thing at times that you you don't always know is what price position they come from in the first place. Mm-hmm. If, if you're if you're in a if you're in a, an interview and you as either, either as the man or the woman you negotiate up a little bit and you're the opposite gender doesn't, whichever way around that may be, well, that, that's not entirely your fault, but it should be down to the business themselves and the person that's running the organ, the, the team or the interview or whoever's putting out the contract, it should be down to them to, to go, well, okay, we'll put you up to that. We need to make sure that, you know, you've got to put these prices, you've got to put these wages up to sensible things for everybody. Absolutely. And it's about recognising different skill sets as equal as well. You know, it's been it's been decades since the uh, the the women workers at the Ford Dagenham factory went on strike because they felt that their skills as sewing technicians, I believe it was, was their job right. role, were valued less than, than the engineers that were putting the, the metal work together. Um, and, and we're still having this conversation, yeah. but at the end of the day, those skills were both important to the manufacturing <laughs> of cars um, and, and they should have been paying the same. And I, eventually, you know, they... They won their fight, but but they obviously haven't won it for for all women because this is still going on. But there is a lot to consider. Like I say, yeah. these 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 figures are just figures. They're not in any particular sort of context. You know, I've tried to make it clear that they are median, um, and that they do go both ways. But um, obviously, there is still quite a bit to be done. Yeah, I mean, I think what will be obviously it's not great. That, there, that this exists it is interesting that there are some instances where actually it's the opposite way around which is not something that uh, that I've seen or heard of uh, I mean I have been away so you know, I'm going to mention that repeatedly <laughs> only for two and a half, two and a half weeks. weeks but yeah, yeah that's not something I've, I've seen or heard of the fact that actually in some cases it is the opposite way yeah um, if you if you just paid attention to the media you would think that it was only going one way I think and I don't think that's unfair to say no I think you're um, right there and it obviously is it's it's a shame that we have some of these figures as they are i think what's important now is that we've had this produced next year or 6 months or whenever the next lot of figures come come out that's when you've then got to see whether this thing has changed and uh, yeah. you know as bad as these are there's an opportunity to, to having it out in the open there's an opportunity now to make it better um i wanted to just ask you about running borough council sure um i I'm vaguely aware that they have there have been a few uh, issues, a few instances of, of, of court appearances for yeah, various bits and pieces. That's been rumbling on for quite a few years. Um, 
and and they are paying settlements um, to to women because because pay hasn't been equal. But if we look at it in comparison to um, other councils in the area, um, on average, the median. Um, salary at Reading Borough Council, men are paid 3.8% more than women. Um, then West Berkshire Council is the, is the next one up, yeah. where men are paid 15.7% more than women. Okay. Uh, we then have Bracknell Forest Council, where men are paid 23.3% more, and Working and Borough Council is the, is the, is the worst on this list at 28.5%. Okay. So although Reading Borough Council has been paying settlements over the last few years... Um, and, and has been pulled up, uh, rightly so, on on not paying men and women equally. Um, clearly, they have improved that, uh, and and now it's the other councils that have got to do a bit of catching up. It seems. Yeah. Um, and there was a couple of others on this list, weren't there? Um, yeah, just some interesting ones. Um, Reading Football Club. Yeah. Uh, like I said, it is the it is the median salary, so this isn't going to include. The, the footballers who are on are on ridiculous wages <laughs> um, but that's 27.2% now it's not great it's higher than average but when you compare it to like we said earlier on you know Maiden Early Trust and some of the other uh, Vodafone yeah. and a couple of the others yeah it's in a, in, a, in a business that you think would be largely dominated by men it's it's encouraging to see that it is lower than, than many other yeah businesses in the area um so yeah i mean all, all of all all of the Berkshire businesses that have responded to the government's request are, are published online on on um, get reading this week so they are all there to, to have a look at but again another another industry that you think would be dominated by men royal Berkshire fire and rescue service that's 3.7 percent so yeah, that's okay. tiny yeah. um so yeah uh, what about uh, walkers uh, walkers, it, walkers is a bit odd. I think that they must have kind of uh, a number of different subsidiary, subsidiary, uh, subsidiaries. Yes, yeah, subsidiaries. Thank subsidiaries, you very much. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we've got Walkers Snacks Limited and Walkers Snacks Distribution Limited. Uh, the first one of those is minus ten percent, and the second is minus twelve point nine percent, which obviously shows that um, women are, are paid more in those circumstances. And then the third one is Walkers Snacks Food Limited. I don't know what the difference between these three companies are, why they trade under different names. Um, they also have uh, vastly uh, different numbers of, of staff. But Walker Snack Food Limited is the largest. That's 1,000 to 4,999, mm. and that's 10.1%. So that's um, men being paid 10.1% more. But then it's balanced out in the other two smaller businesses where women yeah. are paid more than men. That's, yeah, that's very interesting without knowing too much about what goes on there. Looking at the addresses, they all appear to be at the same yeah, location. Yeah, they're all based so. at Green Park. Yeah, okay. Very, very interesting. Um, all right, well, I think, I, think we've, it's, I think it's fair to say, I think both, you and I both sort of agree that, that, you know, this is definitely a good thing that this kind of stuff's happening. Sure. And, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a difficult topic for two people on a podcast I think to kind of actually <laughs> get to grips with and talk about but I think the more it's talked about then hopefully the better it will be yeah and look we're not you know we're not shaming anyone um I, I, I certainly don't want to kind of start an, an angry tirade about this but it is it is just a fact it's it's clear the numbers show it and um yeah it would be it would be nice like you say if next year when the figures are published you can see some kind of more balance uh, in, in the numbers. 
Certainly would. Certainly would. <laughs> anyway, um, surely we've got some more positive oh, things to talk about. We've got some, about. some lovely things to talk about. So um, I'm just going to go off uh, and talk with Guglia Bandini about uh, the Abbey Gateway, which uh, is opening, opening this, weekend. this weekend, I think. Um, I think we've got that written down on one of our many pieces of paper here. Um, so uh, roll the tape. Museum uh, this afternoon uh, with Guya Bandini, who is the learning officer on the education team at Reading Museum. Yes. Uh, hey Guya, how are you? Fine, thank you. How are you? I'm very, very well. We are uh, deep, as I say, deep in the bowels of Reading Museum. I've Absolutely. said that twice now, but yeah. we're in a, we're actually in a dressing room. Yes, aren't we? we are we're... on the back in the dressing room. We use it in the education team for the lunch space for yeah. our school groups. But it's also used by the town hall for uh, um, actors and uh, performers that perform in the town hall. So there, I noticed there's no lunch left over. No, not today. <laughs> there was no school. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big shame. I'm, I'm a big fan of lunch. I know. <laughs> um, okay, so we are just going to talk a little bit about the, the gateway, uh, the Abbey Gateway, which is yes. reopening. Is it this weekend? Yes, it is. On Saturday, it's open to the public, finally. What time? Uh, oh my goodness, so you take me by surprise. Oh. Uh, I know in the morning there are tours, but okay. it's all online. Please yeah. look at that. I'm sorry. Is that the, that's the Reading, Reading website, isn't it? Is it? Yes, it is. Great. Okay. Um, so just tell me a little bit about what the education team do. What do you guys do here? And what do you guys do? will be doing with the Gateway? Yes. Well, um, the education team, my, our job is to use our collections to teach visitors and schools in particular. Uh, about Reading's heritage, its history, and also all the other uh, themes that cover by our collections. Um, everything we do for school children in particular is aimed to get them to experience history rather than learning facts yeah. about it. Uh, we try to bring the past to life, um, well, in a fun and interesting way, interactive way as much as possible, uh, so that children may be um, inspired to ask questions and want to learn more. That's our aim. Yeah. Um, uh, so our workshops for schools here in the museum um, are about the various parts of our collections. We have workshops on the Romans, on the Bayeux tapestry, on prehistory, and yeah. certainly, of course, on the life of children in the Victorian times. Um, and in all these uh, uh, sessions, children get to dress up and handle yeah. real objects, just to feel the history real around them. Um, uh, what do we do uh, in the Abbey Gateway? Uh, well, uh, the most popular of our sessions certainly is the Victorian schoolroom. Yeah. Uh, children get to dress up as Victorian children and uh, sit at real Victorian desks in a uh, completely and wonderfully reconstructed Victorian schoolroom. Uh, they get to use uh, slates and pencils to do their maths and use <laughs> deep pen and ink yeah. to write. Um, they have a, a teacher uh, in front of them dressed up as Victorian teacher. And from September... Yeah. 
the Victorian school room. We are very excited because we will move to a new setting, the Abbey Gateway, as yes. you said. Um, and uh, this is a beautiful medieval uh, listed building just outside the, the Fulbury Gardens and next to the entrance to the Reading Abbey ruins. And uh, yes, uh, the building has been carefully restored. And as you said, yeah. it will open very soon. Very soon, a few days. In fact, when this pod goes, podcast goes out, it will be tomorrow. Tomorrow? Oh, yes. perfect. Okay, <laughs> so uh, even more exciting. And um, in my team, in the education team particularly, we are overjoyed to have this opportunity to run the Victorian school room sessions in this, uh, well, suggestive, really historical um, site. Um, because it will add to the authenticity of the already very interactive and immersive experience of the children. Because the gateway used to be a school in the past, before the Victorian era, just slightly before, in the Georgian time. But uh, the building was used uh, and housed the Reading Ladies Boarding School. That was a big name. It doesn't look very big, though. Uh, no, it was connected to another building okay. where the girls could sleep yep. uh, and is not there anymore. Yes. But the uh, the gateway still survives. Okay, so and the school, so the schoolroom was actually in the gateway itself. Uh, the, the the room that will be used as a schoolroom right. used to be one of the schoolrooms. Wow. Okay, um, it had quite a famous pupil, didn't it? Um, who was that? Absolutely, Jane Austen, ah. the famous author from the Georgian time. Yes. Uh, she started going there in 1785, right. and uh, she was 10 at the time, and she came to Reading to go to that school with her favourite sister, Cassandra. Yeah. Uh, she was uh, a little um, um, older than yeah. she was, but they went together. And... Uh, Uh, The school had a very good reputation, particularly for the daughters of the clergy of the time. And uh, Jane's father was a vicar himself, and he was uh, ready to pay a whopping £36 per semester per child to send both his children (laughs) there. And that was a big sum of money for the time. So So it was a bit like the Eton... Of, yes, of, of it the, was for girls. Georgian, it yeah. was uh, it was quite something. Wow! And we know quite interesting fact that the other two quite popular authors, female authors yes. of the time, went to the same school around the time Jane went. Who there. were they? Uh, one of them, I remember the name is Mrs. Sherwood, and uh, Mrs. Sherwood is quite interesting to remember her because she wrote an autobiography later on in her life where she described quite well her days okay. at the Reading Boarding School. Right. And uh, when you read those pages, you can really imagine Jane Austen just uh, walking around the gardens <laughs> uh, outside the school and listening to the boys uh, beyond the walls playing in the Forbury Gardens, playing cricket. So, And uh, from these pages and comparing, we think that actually some of uh, Jane Austen's character in her, in her novels actually were... Um, were inspired yeah. by the people in that school, wow. particularly the governess in Emma. So that's quite interesting to think. <laughs> <laughs> so what would uh, what would Jane have learned at school? What, what sort of things? Because I, I, from memory as a child, going to a Victorian school, and I can't remember the name myself, but uh, it was very different for boys and girls of what they learned. So what, what would Jane have learned? Absolutely. And uh, think about the Victorian school, actually, is... Uh, 
different from ours, but much closer to our days than was in Jane Austen time, in right. Georgian time. Before the end of the Victorian era, uh, um, schools really, um, and education in general, wasn't compulsory for boys and certainly not for girls, <laughs> and uh, it wasn't uh, regulated at all. So um, all the curriculum and everything would have was learned at school was completely different. Uh, all ages went together in a big room and were taught various things. And particularly when we think about uh, school at the time of Jane Austen and particularly a school for girls, we really have to imagine something very, very different. Yeah. Uh, girls of good families in that time were supposed, well, their, their aim in life was to get married, yeah. practically. So all their education was focused on were all the accomplishments <laughs> that, according to the time, uh, made a respectable lady and, a, well, a worthy wife. So we know from documents that what Jane Austen learned was, of course, reading and writing, good, uh, some history and geography, but also part, very important parts of the curic curriculum were needlework, uh, drawing, and dancing. Yeah. So completely different from us. Very, very different. Very yes. different. Ah, in, very interesting though. I think it's uh, it, it'll be really, really good to get a bit of an insight into what used to happen, yes. and especially on the doorstep as well. Um, I wanted to just ask you about the gateway itself. Mm -hmm. um, how important is the gateway to Reading's history? It's obviously been under a lot of scaffolding for I'm not <laughs> sure how many years now, but it's been been quite a while. Yes. But, and obviously that's now come down. But so how compared to maybe like the Abbey, or or, or anything else? How important is the gateway to Reading's history? Well, the Abbey Gateway is really a landmark of Reading. We can say that it's always been there, literally. <laughs> um, yes, always. Uh, it was built, uh, you compared it with the Abbey, yeah. and uh, it was built starting in 1121 as part of the Abbey, integral part of the Abbey. Yeah. Um, and, uh, of course, um, as you probably know, uh, the Abbey was built when King Henry I, that was the son of William the Conqueror, decided yeah. to take the then very small village of Reading <laughs> as the site of his great abbey yeah. and change the history of Reading forever. Yeah. And uh, the abbey gateway was a very important part of the abbey because it was uh, really the gateway yeah. between the outside world and the monks who lived, of course, enclosed in the buildings of the abbey at the time. And so the Abbey Gateway became, um, throughout the Middle Ages and until the dissolution of the monastery under Henry VIII, became the center of economic and political power in Reading. Yeah. All the relations between the monks and the town happened there. After um, uh, the uh, main religious buildings of the Abbey, of course, were destroyed uh, under Henry VIII, well, the gateway survived, stayed there, <laughs> and miracle became part of uh, a royal palace right. where kings and queens continued to come and spend time for years and years and years after that, particularly Queen Elizabeth I was really keen on coming in Reading, oh. and we know that she came various times you know, <laughs> during their reign and spent time there. And, uh, well... After being a royal palace, the building continued having a very interesting life, and um, uh, it became a civil war armory. Uh, 
uh, in uh, during the civil yes. war, of course. So this was uh, Cromwell. Yes. And, uh, I forget who the king was. It was uh, <laughs> Charles. Charles, King Charles. Yes, um, and uh, that happened, and uh, they survived. They survived yeah. even being an armory. So that's another miracle. Yes. You, um, you think that would might quite likely get blown up? Absolutely, so. but it didn't. Ah. So that's that's a great. So it was meant to stay as yes. a landmark, um, and then after that, uh, he, he went through various things until it became a school in Georgian time, and yeah. you know, so. A long history, and uh, we can say that it wasn't only, it's been not only a witness of the history of writing, but also a very uh, active um, um, protagonist of, of that history. So it's very nice. That's fantastic, and we certainly hope it long continues to be. Absolutely, it will be. Guglielmo <laughs> uh, Bandini, thank you very much. Pleasure. at Reading Museum um, talking to me about uh, the Abbey Gateway which is reopening this weekend um, also the school of Jane Austen who I believe is some sort of famous author <laughs> I think so well she, read, read she, wrote, she wrote a few things what, what did she write? just, just <laughs> quiz time uh, don't do this to you <laughs> I'm going to say Pride and Prejudice Pride and Prejudice Wuthering Heights um... wasn't that a song? I'm kidding, I know there's a song in the book. Uh, yes. Yeah. She, Let's leave it there, shall we? Famously <laughs> uh, went to school at the Abbey Gateway. <laughs> famously. Something I didn't know until very recently. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, I think I'm really glad that you got to meet Vuya because the uh, Education and Learning Department at the University at the Museum of Reading is, is fantastic for the work that they do. Well, it's the second time we've had Reading Museum on. Um, yes. Jess before talking about the Abbey. It's all getting very exciting around the Abbey. It is. I'm, I'm really looking forward to... to I, I, my mum tells me... Oh my God, there I go again. Um, um, she tells me that we used to picnic at the Abbey, but I, I just can't remember. It's, I, I, don't, I can't remember when it closed, but it was. I think it must have been in a, in a memory long, long time ago that I, that I can't extract <laughs> anymore. Um, but I'm really looking forward to getting, going walking Maybe around. it'll all come flooding back to you. Yeah. And I wonder so, if people like if they might open it up for weddings and things in the future. Oh, perhaps that'd be nice. It's, yeah, I'm looking forward. Too late to for it. us, obviously. Yes, we've yeah, we're both separately, separately married. married. Yes. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, if you want to get involved with the show. You can follow and write to us on Twitter at Real Reading Pod. Uh, you can look us up on Facebook by searching Real Reading Podcast. We're on Instagram, and if you're able to, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And um, we don't really have anything more to talk about. No. Of, it's all sort of. We can't do a random question because there's only two of us. We haven't really got an event because it's a bit quiet this weekend. There, no, there is quite a lot going on. We do. Okay, it's, sorry, it's, the, it's, the, it's the craft theory beer festival, but I think we decided that perhaps we wouldn't plug it on the podcast because all the tickets are sold out. Yeah. <laughs> yes. hey, um, but if you are going to the go Craft to. Theory uh, Beer Festival at, at South Street Art Centre, um, have, have a great time. If you know anyone who's got any tickets, yeah, let me know. Yeah, if you've got some to flog. 
I'll buy them at face value. <laughs> um, there's, a, there's a vintage toy fest, festival um, happening at Rivermead Leisure Complex on Sunday, I believe. Um, so there are quite, you know, it's quite a bit, quite a bit going on in actual yeah. fact. So I've completely lied there, really, to our <laughs> listening audience. It okay. feels like a DIY weekend, though, because it's going to be miserable. Yeah. It's going to be raining until kind of uh, July, I think. <laughs> I've just remembered I am going to uh, the home of Downton Abbey this weekend and Are I'm hoping you? you're going to remind me of the name Where's of it. Is that Highclere Castle? That's it, Highclere Castle, yes. Um, yes, Newbury? Newbury, think, yeah. yeah, on the way to Newbury. That way, that sort of way. Yeah, I'm quite looking forward to that. That'd be nice. good fun. Um, thought we were going with the in-laws, but we're not. We're just going by ourselves. Cool. So, that'd be good. Sounds good to me? Yeah, sounds lovely. Um, Enjoy. I'm not suggesting everybody goes. I'm going, so just leave, leave me to have a wander around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't be chasing after Tom, asking him for autographs when he's trying to enjoy no, their family get, that time. gets really, really awkward. <laughs> uh, have you had anybody talk to you recently about the podcast? I haven't, no. No, I mean, it's been, it's been a, a weird few weeks, hasn't it? Because we yeah. haven't really done proper podcasts. Um, we haven't we haven't been out interviewing people, no. so they've not been kind of pushing it onto their friends. Um, but yeah, it's not, it's nice to be back. It's nice to have a it's proper chat to, with you. It's good. It is. Yeah, and it's hard to some of that absolute guff we were talking about upstairs, <laughs> which we can't repeat. So no. Um, okay, uh, if you know anyone you think would be great to interview on the podcast, please do let us know. Uh, the only prerequisite is that they must live or work in the town, and most importantly, they must love Reading like we do. Um, I have written here next week is our half marathon special but that's left over from the previous script this is an old script this is an old script so I don't need to read that out uh, next week I'm not sure what's going on next week um, I'm hoping no. Hugh will be back Hugh maybe be back. maybe you'll be treated to all three of us maybe we'll see maybe I'll have another week off we don't know. Um, so that's all for now uh, we will see you in a week bye, bye. Hi, it's Guia Bandini at Reading Museum and you are listening to Real Reading Podcast.